Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by co-founding pastor John Ferguson as we kick off the series, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. You know, every day we are bombarded with advertisements. But have you ever been watching a commercial and asked yourself, what in the world are they selling? Uh, We're going to show you a few clips from an actual commercial, and I want you to guess what they're selling. And go ahead and type your answer in the chat if you have access to that, or if you're with someone, just say it out loud when you think you know the product being advertised. All right, here we go. The sun is shining over a beautiful city. People are waking up after an amazing night of sleep. You can almost feel the sunshine and fresh air. People biking and walking down streets with smiles on faces, delicious food, affectionate hugs, kids running and playing, friends enjoying downtime together. I mean, if that's not the good life, I don't know what is. All right, any guesses as to what that commercial is advertising? It's a commercial for Nutella. Nutella. And if you haven't noticed, people are crazy for Nutella. You know, not far from where I live in the city is a Nutella store where you can buy anything and everything Nutella. And it's not unusual to see a long line stretching way down the street with dozens of people just waiting for their chance to taste this mouthwatering spread. And in this commercial, I mean, everyone seems so happy. Like their Nutella breakfast is truly changing their life. And I got to tell you, if that's what Nutella does for you, I want that (laughs) Nutella life. But I'm saying a lot of people buy Nutella and don't get the Nutella life. Because what they're really selling is something Nutella will not deliver. Rest. Rest. Yeah, they're advertising relaxation, relationships, and restorative time that nourishes our souls. They're selling the life we truly long for. And that explains why so often that item we order from Amazon, it doesn't fill the void. It doesn't make our lives better. Because even with Nutella, we're still too often stuck with a hurried and harried lifestyle. But there's something else we also look to, thinking it's going to get us what we long for. It's busyness. Yeah, busyness. Uh, We chase after busyness, thinking somehow it will bring us greater productivity. It's interesting. A study from Stanford discovered that productivity per hour actually goes down when a person works more than 50 hours a week. And after 55 hours, productivity drops so much that putting in any more hours is pointless. Let me be clear, all right? People who work 70 hours a week are no more productive than those who only work 55. Ooh, I just clocked in at 50. Guess I'm done. No, I'm kidding. But I gotta ask you, I mean, why do we do this to ourselves? And I have to say, there has got to be a better way. There's gotta be a better way. So this week, we're starting a new series called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And it's based on this great book by John Mark Comer. Him and his teachings are fantastic. You might want to pick up a copy of this book, or if you get a chance, at least listen to it sometime this month. Uh, Something I find truly fascinating is that for many of us, in spite of the fact that we worked from home most of the past year due to this pandemic, life didn't really slow down. For many, life seemed even busier, even more hectic. Uh, For others, maybe you did slow down, And now as things begin to reopen, you're wondering whether you want to return to that normal you had before. Or maybe things did slow down for you and you can't wait to get back to the busy high-speed lifestyle you once had. Here's the deal. It's not that busy in itself is bad. It's not. But there's a difference between a life that is full and a busy life that is hurried. 
You see, there's a difference between a busy life that is full and a busy life that is hurried. Here's how John Mark Comer explains the difference. He says, there's a healthy kind of busyness where your life is full with things that matter, not wasted on empty leisure or trivial pursuits. The problem isn't when you have a lot to do, it's when you have too much to do and the only way to keep the quota up is to hurry. The problem is when you have too much to do and the only way to keep the quota up is to hurry. And so in this series, we wanna explore the difference between a life that's full and a life that's flustered. And we'll offer some really practical ways to not only know the difference, but to also ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. Dallas Willard, former professor at USC, once said this, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. And see, the reality is, too many of us suffer from what Dallas Willard calls hurry sickness. Hurry sickness. Hurry sickness is always striving, but never arriving. Always striving, but never arriving. Ever feel that way? Man, I know I do. And the real danger of hurry sickness is that it cuts off our connection to God, to each other, and even to our own souls. And so if you wonder if you're maybe suffering from hurry sickness, uh, consider these possible symptoms, okay? Uh, how about uh, frequent irritability? Do you find yourself easily agitated or quickly frustrated? Have you found yourself reacting more with anger a lot lately? Uh, what about this symptom, emotional numbness? Uh, do you feel unmoved by things that used to matter to you? Do you find it hard to care about somebody else's pain? Uh, here, here's another symptom, uh, disordered priorities. I mean, do you feel busier than ever, but still feel like you just don't have time for the things that really matter? I mean, do you feel like you're always reactive, rarely proactive? Uh, are you displaying any escapist behaviors? I mean, do you find yourself trying to escape through binge-watching TV or through overeating or overdrinking? And then finally, do you feel somewhat apathetic spiritually? I mean, do the things that, you know, keep you close to God often get put to the side? I mean, how long has it been since you spent any meaningful, extended time in prayer or reflection on Scripture? I want you to pause for a moment and just take a quick inventory here, all right? Look again at those symptoms. Uh, do they describe you? Because I gotta tell you, I look at that and I can definitely see how hurry sickness has crept into my life. Now, I hate to admit it, but I mean, there have been plenty of times in the past year when I'm not exactly the life of the party, not super fun to be around. And yeah, I would call that irritable. And now I'm just irritable over being irritable. How about that? <laughs> uh, escapist behaviors. Yeah, there have been way too many times when I just wanna veg out in front of the TV and not be bothered by anyone or anything. And if you really wanna find out if any of these symptoms apply to you, just ask someone you trust, someone close to you. Let them tell you what they see. And you know what? In spite of what I know to be true, see, I still often live like my hurriedness will yield some sort of positive results when the truth is this striving but never arriving absolutely takes a toll. It takes a toll. Uh, here's one way it takes a toll. Hurry actually affects our bodies. Yeah, I mean, think about it. You know, you, uh, when you're hurried, your, your adrenaline pumps up, it settles into your chest, kind of making it tight. There's a pit in your stomach making you nauseous, your jaw's fixed, your shoulders are tense. I mean, all ways that your body's telling you, hey, there's something you need to pay attention to. And it's probably hurry sickness. Uh, this striving, but never arriving, it also affects our souls. 
I mean, we convince ourselves that what matters most is the urgent, the here and now, right? And then we don't take time to, you know, be with God in prayer, experience solitude, reflect on scripture. Now, I want you to ask yourself truly, do you feel the effects of hurry sickness? Would you say that the pace of your life may be causing damage to your body and soul? And finally, do you long for something different, something sustainable, something more restful? Do you? I'll tell you what, if you answered yes, I have some good news today. Jesus offers a better way. And it's a way that doesn't just relieve relieve us of our hurry. I mean, it's a way for us to experience real rest. I mean, that word rest, I mean, it sort of sounds the way it's supposed to feel, am I right? I mean, say rest, okay? And don't say it quickly, say it slowly. Kind of let it linger between your tongue and the roof of your mouth as you exhale, rest. See, Jesus has something to say about rest. He says this, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. See, Jesus invites us to come to him, to to lay our burdens at his feet, and we will find rest. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? I mean, to actually trust that he is big enough, strong enough, and powerful enough to carry our burdens. I mean, what a relief that would be. Yeah, but the thought of it and the reality of it are two different things altogether, aren't they? I mean, what if I trust him with my burdens only to find that his idea of carrying them is very different than my idea? What then? And so then if you're like me, my doubts kind of lead me to hold on, right? And I start to carry those burdens again myself. And then once again, I long for rest. But then Jesus says this. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest. There's that word for your souls. Now in in Jesus' day, you see a yoke was a, a wooden frame. Looked something like this. You would hold two animals together with this wooden frame so they could work more efficiently. And so often an ox would be brought in and custom measurements would be taken to ensure a yoke would have a near perfect fit for that particular ox. Uh, Then the yoke was roughed out of wood and the ox would be brought back in to try it on and the, the yoke would be carefully adjusted so that it would fit just right and to ensure that it wouldn't rub against the ox and cause it any pain or injury. Jesus explains how his yoke leads to rest. When he describes his yoke this way, he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And when Jesus uses that word easy there, saying my yoke is easy, what he actually means is it is well-fitting. His yoke, his way of life, doesn't remove the work. It actually makes the work easier, lighter. And see, Jesus is saying to us today, The life I give you is not meant to be a burden that weighs you down or or rubs you wrong. The life I want for you is made to fit you. It's a custom fit, but it's not our design, it's his design. Now, I don't know what your yoke feels like, but for too many people I talk to, I mean, their yoke, how they go about living their life, it's not working. It's not easy, it's not light. Many are suffering from hurry sickness. And so let me just encourage you today. Take off that yoke of performance. Remove the yoke of perfection. Lay down that yoke of achievement, that yoke of guilt, the yoke of never, ever measuring up. It is weighing you down and rubbing you raw. And instead, take on the grace-filled, light, and easy yoke of Jesus.
I love Eugene Peterson's take on Jesus' words. Jesus is speaking and he says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Jesus says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I love that. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you, Jesus says. Now keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. <laughs> Tell you what, take a deep breath. I mean, doesn't that sound good? But how do we live into that design? How do we live into these free and light, unforced rhythms of grace? Well, there's a yoke or framework that followers of Jesus have used for centuries called a rule of life. Don't let the title mess with you, okay? A rule of life is actually simply a schedule and set of practices that help us slow down and avoid getting sucked into the hurry of life. Uh, pastor and author Pete Scazzaro, who's got his own story of burnout from hurry sickness, explains a rule of life this way. Key into this, okay? The term rule of life has its linguistic roots in an ancient Greek word that means trellis, okay? A trellis is a support structure that enables plants such as a grapevine to get off the ground, grow upward, and become fruitful. It's a beautiful image of what a rule of life is and how it functions. It is a support structure that helps us to grow up and abide in Christ, now, please understand, see, adopting a rule of life isn't about adding something else to our lives. Okay, let me say that again. It's not about adding something else to our lives. A rule of life helps us figure out what doesn't fit so that we can thrive and live into these unforced rhythms of grace that Jesus so wants for us. I gotta tell you, whenever I've sat down to talk with someone who just seems to live with that deep and abiding peace and rest that can only come from Jesus, you know what? I discover almost every time that it often came after years of struggle and hurry sickness. And the new way of living life is the result of a carefully planned sort of trellis or support structure, or as Pete Scazzaro refers to it, something that's been around for a long time, a rule of life. It reminds me of Jesus' words. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, we've got to remain in him. And so as a first step, I would encourage you to take advantage of some common community language to help you develop your first rule of life. We talked about this a few weeks back. We call this the RPMs. And it comes from Luke's description of how Jesus grew. Luke writes this, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and all the people. Here we see that Jesus grew relationally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. Now, we know there aren't always clear lines of demarcation between these areas and that they all influence the other, but it still provides a great framework or trellis for developing your rule of life. Okay, so here's what it could look like. All right, and I'll tell you what, if you have a scratch pad and pen, uh, I would love for you to go ahead and just draw these four boxes on a scratch pad that you see on the screen here, okay? Relational, physical, mental, and spiritual. As you draw that and look at this, then I'm gonna show you some parts of my own rule of life. Not all of it, okay? But hopefully it will give you an idea of what this could look like, okay? All right, so here we go. Now, this is, again, some parts of my own rule of life that I put together based on the RPMs, relational, physical, mental, and spiritual, all right, under the relational box, I've got this, date night. Date night with my wife, Lisa. Yep, you know, we try to do this every week, but uh, 
Got to be honest, we've let that slip a little bit since we've become empty nesters. I think we kind of take for granted that we have extra time. So we're trying to get back to that. But that's an important part of my rule of life relationally. I'm in a men's small group. I don't lead that group. I'm a participant. And it's truly life-giving for me relationally. I also have 50-hour work week under relational. Uh, that's a goal. True confession, I, I often fall prey to the lie that says, you know, the more hours I work, the more productive I will be. So I'm working my way down to 50 hours a week. And I find that when I do, my relationships thrive. In the physical box, I have, you know, run four times a week and get seven hours of sleep each night. There are other things in the physical box too, but those are a couple that are important to me. If you look in the mental box under my rule of life, I've got Read EHS. That stands for Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It's a book by Pete Scazzaro. I try to read just about anything that Pete writes. He's where we discover this idea of rule of life. And then I also listen to a couple of different podcasts. Under spiritual, this is what I do to try to stay sharp spiritually. It's a part of my rule of life. It includes 45 minutes of quiet, reflective prayer and Bible reading. And I gotta tell you, I try to do that every single day. It's a game changer. And I find that to be about as life-giving as anything I can do. I keep this as a very high priority. Part of that 45 minutes is just being silent, experiencing solitude. I've also got weekly celebration service. I try to show up at church service from time to time and then uh, pray with my wife uh, before we go to sleep at night. And again, this is just a snapshot. It's not my entire rule of life, uh, but I hope it's helpful to you as you consider what it might look like for you. And again, see, the intention here is not to give you more to do. Hear me on that. But to bring structure or to build a sort of trellis for your life that will help you grow so that you're not always striving, but never arriving. All right, here we go. I want to challenge you. Spend some time this week to develop your own rule of life. And if you'd like a blank rule of life template to use based on the RPMs, we've made one for you. Simply text the word RULE, R-U-L-E, to 331-226-1686, and we'll send you a link to download it. I think you'll find it be super helpful. You know, Jesus wants to help us find that healthy pace. A life filled with things that matter. That's why he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. In the next three weeks, we're going to paint a picture of what it looks like to ruthlessly eliminate hurry so we can experience a Nutella kind of life. We're going to talk about solitude. You know, most of us have experienced a lot of isolation over the past year due to the pandemic. But have you experienced solitude? an intentional slowing down where you can reflect deeply. Then we'll speak to the idea of simplicity. And in that week, we're gonna ask the question, why are we so consumed with consuming? And what if less really is more? And then finally, we'll take a look at Sabbath and explore why God wants this for us so much that he put it in his top 10 commands. I mean, we treat it like a suggestion, but it's not. So we're gonna look at what life would be like if we truly practiced Sabbath rest. Folks, we need this now more than ever. And so I hope you will join us every week in this series, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. <laughs>